Well, let's look at the Word a little bit tonight. You know, when we pray for people that can't pray at that time for themselves, we do have a voice before God. And we can lift up our voice and God will hear us. And so that's why it's so important that we pray. And we believe, you know, used to when people ask me, uh, they, they would say, they said, well, pray for me. And I'd say, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll pray for you. That meant there's no way I'm going to pray for you. <laughs> but over the years, I've come to realize how important really it is that I pray and how important my word is if I say I'm going to pray. Uh, and so it's important for us to do that. You know, I remember the first time a guy asked me, he said, a friend of mine, he said, would you like me to pray for you? And I said, yes, because I knew what that meant to me. That meant I was going to go home and do nothing. Well, he said, okay. And he reached his hand over on my arm and began to pray in the spirit for me out loud. And I wasn't even spirit filled yet. I'm telling you, it caught my attention. And uh, I had no, I mean, I knew what he was doing, but I wasn't spirit filled. I didn't know. And uh, he just said, let me pray for you. And he prayed in the spirit for me right then. He didn't wait till later. So I've learned since that time, I've learned over the years when somebody says, pray for me, I'm going to pray probably right now for them. I was one day, Tammy and I were picking up one day, a, this isn't part of my sermon, but I was, we were picking up a guy from a crack house to take him to church. He invited us to take him to pick him up. Well, he said it'll be a few minutes to get ready. And there was this great big man across the street. His, skull, his, his skin was a different color than mine. And the Holy Spirit said to me, go talk to him. And I said, okay. I'm never afraid to do whatever he tells me to do. And so I walked over to him. I'm looking up to him. And <laughs> he's, he says, he looks at me and says, what are you doing here? And I said, well, I came to talk to you. We're here picking up this guy, and we're going to take him to church. Can I take you to church with me? And he says, he says, church? I haven't been to church in years. He said, you're probably in the wrong neighborhood. And I said, well, if you've not been in church in years, this is the right neighborhood. And I said, I said, you know, I'm, I'd like to take you if you'd like to go. And he said, no, I'm not going to go to church. I said, well, do you have anything you need to be prayed for about? And he said, well, yes. And he told me what he needed prayer for. And he didn't expect me to do the same thing my friend did. I reached over and touched him. I said, well, let's pray. And I reached over. And as soon as I touched him, he stepped back. And I touched him. And then another lady walked up. She said, pray for me too. And so I put my hand on her. And we, were, we had a prayer meeting in this guy's front yard. <laughs> and I'll never forget. I, I looked at him. I said, after we got there, I said, you know, you're a big man. And I'll, I'll never forget this. He looked at me and he said, no, you're the big man. You brought Jesus to us in this place. And so it's important that we pray and that we do what we're supposed to do. I'm not bragging on me here. I just know when the Lord tells us to do it, we just need to pray. We need to do what he says to do. All right, let's get into the word here a little bit. We've been looking at the subject of Jehovah Rapha. And this is our fourth time to begin looking at this subject. Uh, We started originally by looking at a couple of verses in Luke, one in chapter 5 and one in chapter 6. Luke 5.15 says... But so much the more there went a fame abroad of him, talking about Jesus, and multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. They came to hear and be healed. 
hear and be healed. Luke 6, 17 says it this way. Again, it says, He, Jesus, came down with them, stood in the plain, the company, and in the company of his disciples, and a great multitude of people out of all Judea and Jerusalem, from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon, which came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. There's a connection of hearing and healing. Hear and be healed. There's, I tell you, when we received Jesus as our Savior, the first step was to hear something. You can't have faith without hearing. You've got to hear something. The Bible says, how can they believe something they've never heard? If we've never heard anything, then we cannot have faith for it. I mean, when you got saved, you didn't just, you, you'd never heard about Jesus, and you got up and said, I want Jesus in my life. You can't do that. You've got to hear something. Most of us in this room probably went to church somewhere or church camp, or did some way, we heard somebody tell us about Jesus being the Savior. We heard someone talk about Jesus. Many of you may have gotten saved because you didn't want to go to hell. I mean, that's a, that's a reason. It's not the best one. But some of us, I'm not bragging on myself here again, but some of us thought, you know, I really like Jesus, and I really believe he's the Lord. I was six years old, and I went down there, and I told that preacher, I wanted Jesus in my heart because I heard how good he was. I don't know if my preacher ever said how good he was, but somehow my grandmother taught me over and over about the goodness of God. And so I made Jesus the Lord of my life. We have to hear something before we can believe it. Receiving Jesus as our healer requires us to hear some things about him regarding our healing. The reason there aren't healings like there are salvations is because nobody talks about it. And I'm going to tell you why we don't talk about it, because we're afraid somebody won't get healed. And that's our fear, is if I pray for you, if I say Jesus will heal you, and I pray for you and you don't get healed, then all of a sudden I fear what people are going to think about me. We have to somehow get beyond what anybody else thinks and decide what does the Bible say and put our faith in what that says and not in our experience. I have prayed for people before, and they died. Not because of my prayers. <laughs> And it hadn't been very many of them, but I prayed for a lot more people that got healed. Because God is true to his word. We have to hear. I love the passage in Mark chapter 5 that says this in verse 25. And a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing bettered but rather grew worse when she had heard of Jesus came in the press behind and touched his garment. The woman heard some things about Jesus. What kind of things do you think she had heard? What would you have to hear to violate the cultural law and be a woman who was considered unclean to come in the midst of a great throng of people, I mean a huge multitude of people, she should have been standing by the side yelling unclean, unclean, so no one would come to her. What had she heard that made her dive on the ground to touch the fringe of his prayer shawl? What, what kind of things would she have had to hear? Would she have heard stuff like, well, you know, that healing stuff is all fake. They hire people to act like they get healed so they can get more money. I'm going to tell you, that's exactly what I heard when I went to hear Catherine Kuhlman as an 18-year-old getting ready to graduate from high school. I went to see her. I came home. I told my father about it, and he told me that exact thing. And I'll never forget looking at him and saying, you weren't there. That's right. 
I mean, the presence of God was there. I told him, I said, you weren't there. I said, more important than all of that stuff, the presence of God, the presence of God's love was there like I had never sensed it before in my life. And that night changed my life. But see, people have all kinds of things, but she wasn't hearing that. Here's what she was hearing. She was hearing, Jesus is a healer. This Jesus of Nazareth, when people touch him, they get healed. When people touch him, they go away free of all their disease. That's what she heard. That's why she said in her heart, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. That's what she was hearing. She was hearing that. We hear too many of the wrong things. Whatever we hear and hear and hear and hear is what we're going to believe. That's why Jesus said, take heed what you hear. We need to be aware, what am I listening to? Because I'll tell you, you're either feeding your faith or you're feeding your fear. You believe something. You believe what you hear, what you hear all the time. If you listen to CNN all the time, you're going to find out that President Trump is a crook. You're going to find out that everything is bad about him. Everybody he knows is bad. And if you hear it enough, you'll begin to believe it. Or on the other hand, if you listen to Fox all the time, you're going to find out that CNN only has fake news. You're going to find out they never report anything true. They're all evil. They're all going to hell or whatever it is. Whatever you hear all the time, that's what you're going to believe. So if the Bible is God's word, if it really is his word, if it really does promise us healing, why wouldn't we take the time to spend in the Bible. I can't tell you how many testimonies I've heard of people that were diagnosed with, with incurable diseases who said, I'll be back in about three or four days. And for that amount of time, they went and they only heard the Word of God regarding healing in their bodies. I mean, they shut off everything. They didn't hear a radio, a television. All they heard was either someone via some kind of uh, device telling them what the Bible said or telling themselves what did the Bible say. She heard that Jesus was a healer. The result was Jesus said, Daughter, your faith has made you whole. Go in peace and be healed of your plague. He said, Your faith. It was her faith. I mean, Jesus didn't even know that she was there. Jesus, Jesus didn't even go looking for her. He didn't even know she was in the crowd. And he's walking along and she touched him. And all of a sudden power went out of him and power went into her. He felt it go out. She felt it come in and she knew she was healed. He didn't even know she was there. But she had been hearing all this stuff about Jesus the healer and she knew that when she touched him, she was going to get well. And that touch of faith is still ours to have today because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus said it's your faith that saved you. Man, I really, that, that's powerful stuff. We need to take heed what we hear. But Jesus also said, take heed how you hear. Because it's not just hearing it with our, all, our physical ears. We have to hear and receive what we hear. Now, we've talked about that. In Luke 5, we talked about this two, two times ago. Jesus was preaching at his house, and, and the house was full of preachers. And they're all in there. And the scripture says the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Some of them were sick. 
Maybe a lot of them because the power of the Lord was present to heal them. They were sick in some way and the power was present to heal them, yet not one of them got healed. They all heard Jesus. They all heard the Messiah himself proclaim the message of the gospel, but not one of them got healed. And I feel certain that they left the house and one of them said to the next, you see there, that healing stuff is fake. I'm still sick. They heard it, but they didn't receive it. You got to receive what the Bible says. We have to receive what it says. Too much of the, too much of the time, we, th- we have this idea in our heads that, well, it must not be God's will to heal me because I've asked and I haven't gotten it yet. We need to learn how to hear and receive the Word of God. Listen, if I hear it and it, and it doesn't seem to happen for me, one of two things is going on. Either, either there's something in me that's not working right or there's something in me that's not working right. <laughs> He is true to His Word. We have to be able to hear what He's saying. The will of God. When Jesus is in that room with all those snarky preachers and He's preaching and they're looking for reason to accuse Him, the will of God was to heal them. That's why His presence was there to heal them. That was the will of God. Them leaving without receiving that healing was not the will of God. His will was for them to be healed. Just because it doesn't happen doesn't mean it's not the will of God. We need to learn to believe what he says. They simply didn't receive the word that was being preached. Sometimes we just got to stay with it and keep believing, keep staying with what God has said. That was his will. When the Bible says it was, he was present to heal them, that's talking about God's favor. It's talking about God's grace. There was favor present to heal. There was grace present to heal. We talked about grace for several weeks. And this was a grace that's different than, than the, the born-again kind of grace. There was grace to be healed. Now, how do we get that grace? Well, the Scripture tells us, For by grace are we saved through faith and not of ourselves. It's the gift of God. By grace we are saved the word saved and you know this i've taught it lots of times is the greek word sozo which means to be rescued to be well make whole be healed or be saved by grace by 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 his grace we're rescued we're delivered we're made free of whatever the devil's trying to put on us through faith the grace comes when we believe god i mean it comes from his grace and the channel for the grace is his faith. That's why he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Your faith saved you. Because she believed what she heard. She, she believed it and the grace came to her because she believed what she said. How do we get that? The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes as we hear and we hear. Our hearing and hearing the word brings the faith that brings the rescue from the curse of the world and from the devil. Hearing it and hearing it and hearing it. We've got to make sure we're not listening to all that stuff that says, well, when you pray, God's answer is sometimes yes, sometimes no, sometimes wait a while, and sometimes maybe. The scripture says, all the promises in him of God are yes. If I can find it in the Bible, the answer to my prayer is yes. And then the amen is by me. That's what it literally says. 
It's He says yes. We say amen. What does amen mean? It means so be it. Well, here's what I'm saying. God said it. He said yes. I'm saying so be it to me. That's how it works. We, But you've got to stay with the Word. It's going to take more than just hearing it one time. Because every good gift, every perfect gift comes from God and they all come exactly the same way. As we hear and we believe. Here's how Jesus said it one time in John chapter 8. He said, if you continue in my word, then you're my disciples indeed, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. You will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. And I've heard people say it all the time, oh yeah, the truth will make you free. It doesn't make everybody free. It's only the truth you know, having continued in it. Continue is what I'm talking about. That's the hearing, and the hearing, and the hearing. It's the truth we know, the revelation through hearing it and hearing it and saying it. That's what sets us free. As we hear it, it's continuing in the Word. The truth we, if, if just the truth set us free, we could get our Bible and we could set it in our chair and sit on top of it, and it would osmose through and make us free. <laughs> that isn't the way it works. I would love for it to work that way. That would be awesome. This, this is what I know. Healing is not the main thing you need. A miracle is not the main thing you need. The main thing we need is hearing. Hearing. That's what we need more than anything else. Jesus said more than one time, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now Jesus said that to people who all had these physical things on the sides of their heads. So he wasn't referring to physical ears. He's referring to being able to receive the Word. He's referring to hearing it in our spirits. He was talking about hearing it with our hearts. I mean, it's not just, not just hearing it audibly. It's hearing it in our heart. We've got to stay with the Word long enough to get it in our heart. We've got to stay with it. The guy who, who hears one message about if you sow a seed of money, God's going to bless you, he doesn't have enough faith to get the blessing. Generally, that's the, sometimes there are exceptions to that. We have to hear the word and hear the word and hear the word. And then faith rises up inside of us. What we need to do is hear, hear. And when we hear the word over and over, a funny thing happens to us. All of a sudden, we fall in love with the blesser more than the blessing. All of a sudden, the need is for him. And I tell you, in his presence is fullness of joy. <coughs> Everything we need is in His presence. We need to hear the Word and hear it. When people are unwilling to hear the Word or too busy to hear the Word, it can be deadly. You've got to be willing to hear it and hear it and hear it. You know, this morning when I was reading in, in the Bible, I was reading the story and I was reading out of, out of, out of Leviticus and uh, it's talking about these offerings and I... I read the Bible. I'm not bragging here, but it's just my habit. Tammy will tell you that I am a creature of habit. I do the same thing every day at the same time. I read the Bible every day for 30 minutes. And I've read through the Bible every year, probably for 30 years. And I'm reading through it, and I'm thinking, I'm thinking I've read this before. And then all of a sudden, I see something I've never seen before. Because I choose to make that be, I choose to make the time for it. There were, earlier in my life, I loved God, I thought. 
but I didn't have time to read the Bible. Number one, I didn't like getting up early in the morning. Number two, I was too sleepy at night because I stayed up too late. That's why I didn't want to read early the next morning. And so I didn't read the Bible because I was too busy. But what happens in that lifestyle is you get too busy for the faith in your heart to rise up to accomplish the will of God in your life. We need to be hearing and hearing. The main thing we need to do is hear. So we talk about, about faith and healing. I've discovered there's a connection here. There's a faith with hearing. There's a, faith, I mean, there's a connection between hearing and faith. There's a connection between faith and healing. Then I discovered this. There's a connection between healing and peace. And that all goes together. There's peace. We read Isaiah 53 a few weeks ago, and it says this in verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Here we see the peace restored is followed by the healing of the body. Peace restored brought healing. Being beaten for our peace is connected to being striped for our healing. Listen to this verse of Scripture. These are two verses out of Isaiah 57. I have seen his ways, this is the Lord's talking, I have seen his ways and will heal him. I will lead him also and restore comforts unto him and to his mourners. I create the fruit of the lips. Peace, peace to him that is far off and to him that is near, saith the Lord. And... I will heal him. That's an interesting thought. He said, I create what you say when I'm speaking peace. The, the, the phrase here is shalom, shalom. The word shalom means completeness. It means nothing is missing. It means there's not any peace that's broken. It means totally whole is what it's talking about. And this one, it's just saying absolutely there's nothing missing. Absolutely there's nothing broken. It's all put together. He said, I create the fruit of the lips. Peace, peace. Shalom, shalom. To him that's far off, to him that's near. And I will heal him. The peace is created by our confession of it. And then the healing is connected to the peace. I'm going to go somewhere with this in just a second. It's referring, as we, as we have a contrite, humble heart, if you read the whole chapter, it's talking about, and we turn to the Lord. And then God says to us, he's going to create what we say. Jeremiah 33, 6 says, Behold, I will bring it health and cure, and I will cure them and will reveal unto them the abundance of peace and truth. The abundance of peace and truth. That's why when Jesus said to the woman with the issue of blood, he said, Your faith has made you whole. Go in peace. Because peace is connected to healing. Here's where we need to come to. We need to come to the place where we come to peace. Because peace is an evidence that I believe and trust Him. Here's what the, here's what the Scripture says in Hebrews 4.3. For we which have believed, we who believe, those people who are in faith, we who have believed, do enter into rest, as He said. Rest is the place of peace. Those who believe enter into rest. Belief in the word equals rest, which is peace. We read a few minutes ago that, that when we believe that the grace comes to us, the grace that saves us, rescues us, delivers us, comes by faith. It's that same faith when I believe what God promises, I believe his word, I can rest that God will do what he says he will do.
Wouldn't it be something if you got into a boxing ring and you knew that when you threw, the guy is big and he's huge on the other side. He is mean looking. He's, you know, 30 years younger than you. And he is, he is all buff looking. And you're, you're getting in the ring with him to fight with him. And how would it be if you got in the ring with that guy? How would you act? Well, you'd be a little intimidated by him, wouldn't you? You'd be saying, no, I'm not doing this to the people that are ringing the bell. But if you knew, if you knew that you knew that when you threw the first punch, he was going to the ground, it was already fixed, how would you enter the ring? Oh, you would be confident. Oh, man. It's like, if y'all bet on this guy, you lost your money. I mean, I'm getting ready to take it. You would be absolutely confident. You would be peaceful on the inside because you would know that you know that you win. That's what trusting God's about. It's about believing Him. Knowing that we know that Jesus is healer, Jesus is savior, Jesus is the one that I trust and believe. No matter what these circumstances look like, no matter what's going on around me, I believe what you say. And when I have that peace, that means I'm in faith. It means I'm believing him and the grace comes through that very channel of my peace. Listen, no matter what the diagnosis, no matter the prognosis, we can either be stressed or we can be blessed by by choosing to rest. I rest. Now, that doesn't come unless you're hearing and hearing the Word of God. Because the question is, well, how do I rest when I'm facing this? No, it comes by hearing. And hearing, I know for Tammy and I, at different times in our lives, when we go through, it's been a while, but an extremely stressful time, I'm telling you what, we're going to put the Word on, and it's going to be on in our bedroom all night long, because we're going to hear it, we're going to hear it, we're going to hear it, we're going to make sure we hear it. We put, we put on preachers that we know are going to preach to us the gospel of Jesus, the gospel of of victory, We know it because we have to believe what he says. You see, lack of peace is the root cause of many physical problems. Lack of peace causes people to die early. Belief is the cause of rest. Because I can be assured of what God says. You ever watched a lion? You watch lions. Lions go, they walk, they go to and fro. They're always looking for food. They're always looking for their prey. They're looking for their next meal. I mean, they're looking everywhere. They're always looking. They never rest. They're always looking. A lion lives 8 to 14 years. A crocodile, on the other hand. You ever watch a crocodile? They don't do anything. They're either laying by the water or they're floating in the water. They lay there. They do nothing but rest. They just rest all the time. They don't go looking for food. Food comes looking for them somehow. They wait for the food to come to them. They live 50 to 100 years. Maybe we need to take some, some, some truth from the crocodile. You see, we'll never rest until we come to this place that we totally trust Him by hearing and hearing and we're no longer afraid of death. Do you realize we're not going to die? We're not going to die. Living in this body is the shortest thing I'm ever going to do. I have eternity to spend alive in Christ. 
I can't be afraid of death. The scripture says, but we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. Jesus has already tasted it. You know, one day, the my physical body is going to die, unless, now if Jesus comes back sooner, that would be cool, I can just meet him in the air. We're going to meet him in the air one way or the other, though. We're either going to meet him, if we're still in this body, we'll meet him there. If we're not in this body, we're going to come back and get that body and take it up and meet him. But we'll be first if, we have, if we're in that group. But we'll meet him. But we're going to live forevermore. Whatever we're going through, we've got to trust in the living God. We've got to find the place of peace in him. I mean, this is the, that intent gaze that we talked about last time. Gazing intently. We've got to get our mind and our hearts off of all the problems and onto the answer, which is the Lord Jesus. So our text that we've read every single week is this one. The Lord said, If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, will do that which is right in thy sight. This is Exodus 15:26. Do that is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes. I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. You've got to hear that a lot. You've got to hear it all the time. He is the Lord that heals me. This, we know from what we've taught, this is, it says he is Jehovah Rapha. He said, I am, that I am, that I am, that I am healing. It's, he says it over and over. There's no limit to what he can do. He is our healer. He is our cure, our physician, the one that mends us. We've talked about that a lot. Uh, I mean, this is, this is one, of the, one, of the, one of the covenant names of God, the, the, the compound covenant names of God. He is Jehovah Rapha. That is his name forever. He is not the Lord who used to heal us. He's not the Lord who used to heal people in the Old Testament and the Lord who only used to heal the people when Jesus was there and his apostles are there. He has not changed. He said, I am the Lord. I change not. He cannot change. Because if he changes, he can't be God. It's not that he can't. He just won't. That's who he is. He can't. It just won't happen. All right. He said, he is now the Lord who heals us. We've read from Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me, Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Forget not all his benefits. The word is plural. And here he begins the list. Who forgives all your iniquities. All of them. Who heals all your diseases. He heals all. He forgives all. That is the message. He heals all. He forgives all. He forgives all. He heals all. I mean, he said that in the book of Psalm. That's true under the Old Covenant. It's true under the New Covenant. I mean, it's, he's, it's always the Lord our healer. He always forgives all. He always heals all. We find that throughout the Scripture. It's, as I said, it's the Old Covenant, the New Covenant. The New Covenant is better. If the Old Covenant had healing, we got better healing. I mean, the old covenant is better than I mean, the new covenant is better than the old covenant. Like a hundred dollar bill is better than a fifty dollar bill. I mean, I think we'd all agree with that, right? I mean, why? Because the hundred dollar bill contains the fifty dollar bill, and more. Our covenant contains all those good things that God promised them, and more, because they've been ratified in the blood of Jesus Christ. We saw the last time, or, or a couple of times ago, Jesus said, "Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven, 
or to say, rise and take up your bed and walk. We saw that they're the same to Jesus. I mean, we, we, we've tried to separate these two things, the healing and the forgiveness. When Jesus taught them together, when the scripture over and over teaches the two things together, I mean, Jesus said, which is, they're both easy to me. Neither one of these things is difficult. They're both easy to me. We've tried, we've tried because we haven't had the kind of the results we think we should have. We've shied away from the truth of healing. I mean, I, you don't hear a lot even in spirit-filled churches, about healing anymore. It's because, it's because the subject is almost too controversial. Well, I knew somebody and they didn't get healed. That doesn't negate what the Bible said. We have to take what, what is in the Bible. I mean, the Bible's a lot, talks a lot about healing. And the, and when Jesus sent out his disciples in Luke 9, 2, it says he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He said, go and preach the kingdom. Go and heal the sick. That was their commission. They went to preach the gospel. They went to heal the sick because the two are what Jesus preached. Now, I can't tell you how many doors I've knocked on and I've said these exact words. The kingdom of God has come to you. Is there anyone sick here? And I mean, over and over, people will say, yes, mama's sick or somebody's sick. And you go and you get them, you pray for them, they get healed. The family celebrates the healing of mama or the healing of, of I was in a house one time in, 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 uh, in Quetzaltenango, no, yeah, in Quetzaltenango, Guatemala. And, and, the, and the young man was a lunatic. I mean, they had him in a room. He couldn't ever get out of the room. He was crazy. Couldn't even talk. We went in and prayed for him, cast the devil out of him, prayed for healing in his body. And I'm telling you, the young man in moments became normal, sitting on the side of the bed. It's like it came into his right mind. Well, I'm going to tell you something. Everybody in the family wanted to know about Jesus. They didn't care if we wanted to sprinkle them or dunk them. They didn't care if we believed in speaking in tongues or not. They wanted Jesus because this same Jesus was more powerful than any medication they'd ever seen, more powerful than anything they ever knew about. They wanted Jesus. So Jesus said, which is easier? The last time we talked about Moses lifting up the snake on the pole. And everybody who looked intently at the snake on the pole lived all of them lived. We, we saw it was a picture. Jesus said it was a picture of him being lifted up on the cross. All who look live. If they lived, if they, if they looked at the cross, if they looked at the snake, if they, if, if they saw it, if they lived, that meant they were healed. If they lived, that meant they were forgiven. It's the same message that's been all throughout the scripture. If we'll gaze on Jesus with the eyes of faith, we'll receive forgiveness and healing. Now, let's do this for just a few minutes. What time is it here? For a very few minutes. <clears throat> let's look at the passage in Exodus chapter 15 in context. Here's what the Bible says. It says, And Moses brought Israel. This is in Exodus 15:22. And Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went forth into the wilderness of Sur, and they marched three days through the wilderness and found no water. Three days from what? Three days from crossing the Red Sea. They cross the Red Sea. You know the story. They get on the other side of the Red Sea, and they had the biggest beach party in the history of the world. I mean, six million people are on the beach, and they are dancing and they're, for two days. I mean, they're dancing. They're celebrating. I mean, they're, they're singing. They're shouting. I mean, they're just the, the Egyptians drowned in the sea. I mean, they're singing, 
the horse and the rider thrown into the sea. And when I first got spirit-filled, that's the first charismatic song I ever learned. And Greg is smiling because he knows that song too. I mean, you know, the horse and the rider thrown into the midst of the sea. They are dancing. They're singing. Miriam became a rock star that time because she's singing the song and everybody's dancing with them. I mean, it is great. They go out from that great big party. They march for three days and they found no water. Verse 23 says, They came to Merah, and they could not drink the waters of Merah because they were bitter. Whereupon they gave the name also agreeable to the place, calling it Merah, that is, bitterness. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? I mean, they're three days away from the biggest party they've ever been in. Three days away from celebrating God's deliverance. These are people who've seen miracle after miracle after miracle. It was dark in Egypt. It was light in Goshen. I mean, the cattle of Egypt were dying. Their cattle was great. I mean, they saw miracle after miracle. They saw the hand of God all over them. They got to the Red Sea. They cried to Moses and said, did you bring us out here to kill us? Moses stuck out his rod. The Red Sea parted. They came over. I mean, they saw Things that you and I would love to see. Wait a minute. We've seen some miracles, haven't we? I think in this room we could go around, we could all testify of miracles that we've seen. They are three days away from a giant miracle. And what do they do? They gripe. They murmur. They complain. Three days out. What are we going to drink? What will we drink? They're griping at Moses. They are mad at Moses. I mean, it's amazing how they could be celebrating God's goodness, God's victory, and then three days later complaining when things don't go the way they think they ought to go. I got this plan. This is how you got to do it, God. Thank you so much for this miracle. Oh, I just thank you. And then when the next miracle doesn't come the way we think it ought to come, we all of a sudden, we're frustrated. We're complaining. We're griping about things. I mean, you'd think they'd remember it. They don't. Remember last time we talked about how that murmuring caused that hedge of protection to be lost for them. I mean, they're, they're griping about things. They are so, so concerned about it. It said, they griped to Moses. Says, but he cried to the Lord. And he, the Lord, showed him, Moses, a tree, which when he cast it in the waters, that they were turned into sweetness. The tree. There appointed he him ordinances and judgments. There he proved him, saying, If thou wilt hear the voice of the Lord thy God, and do what is right before him, and obey his commandments, and keep all his precepts, none of the evils I laid upon Egypt will I bring upon thee, for I am the Lord your healer. That's the context of the verse. I mean, they went and they began to complain to God about there's no one. They complained to Moses. They're griping at Moses. Now, let me ask you a question. Who led them here? There was a pillar of cloud by day and fire by night. Moses is just following the cloud and the fire. Who led them here? God led them here. The Lord brought them here. Wouldn't you think, for just a minute, wouldn't you think if God could slay Pharaoh and his whole army in the Red Sea, and they could walk across on dry ground, wouldn't you think that God knew there was no water there? But they complained. I can't tell you how many times in my life 
I come to this place and I begin to complain. And then I have to stop and say, who led me here? Who brought me to this place? He said, there's no water. They thought that they were complaining to Moses, but they were really complaining about the Lord's leadership. Why would they do that? I'll tell you why. They took their eyes off of him. They began to look at at the things around them. They took their eyes off this miraculous provision that God had made for them. I mean, they took their eyes away from him and looked at the problem. And they began to complain about the problem rather than looking to the answer of the problem. I mean, that's the same with most, most Christians. When life gets tough, we get bitter because it's bitter all around us. We lose sight of his purpose. We lose sight of his goodness and look for somebody to blame. Because obviously, I don't want to say, God, you did it because that'd be dumb. So I'm going to find some, I'm going to say it's the Democrats. <laughs> or it's that woman you gave me. Or whatever, whatever we want to do. People begin to complain. This is some. They come. And Moses cried to the Lord. Now that's the answer to the place of bitterness. Not looking at the problem, but looking to the answer. Moses cried to the Lord. What he did is what everybody should have done. Most people, listen, we have so many blessings. It's, it's just uncanny, the blessing that we live in. For any of us to complain is almost foolish. God has blessed our lives. I mean, we're going to heaven when we die. Yeah, there are things we face. There are stresses that, we, that, that, that are in front of us, but we need to not forget Him. Go to Him and pray. Our cry shouldn't be about the circumstances, but to the one who can do something on our behalf. Now, here we go. They're griping. What are we going to drink? What are we going to drink? Moses, you're an idiot. Why'd you bring us out here? Moses cries to the Lord. Now, if I'm God, and they say to me, and, and they say, Oh, God, would you help us? We don't have anything to drink. And Moses cries out to me. I'm going to say, no. No. Listen, you deserve it. I was going to give you something to drink, but now not at all. Because if you wouldn't have griped, I'd have given you something. But I'm not giving you anything. You can just die out there for all I care. So, I mean, but God, I mean, he had mercy on these people. I mean, he showed Moses a tree. Obviously, the tree is a picture of the cross. It's a picture of Jesus going to the cross for us. The only answer to bitterness in life is the work of Jesus and his redemption at Calvary. That's the only answer. Only he can bring sweetness out of bitterness. Only he can take the circumstances of life and make them sweet. The water went from being deadly to being life-sustaining. I mean, I mean, everything, everything was there. Now, here's what I want us to get here tonight. This is the first reference in the Bible to healing. The very first one. The first reference in the Bible to healing is connected to a tree. What a powerful picture. The tree. Threw it in the water. And it neutralized the poison. The tree neutralized it. It canceled the effect of harm on the physical bodies of all who drank it. The tree in the water. The first time we hear about healing, the first time it has to do with a tree 
and healing them. It's interesting to me the first reference to healing doesn't imply that it's wrong to use a natural assist in the process. It doesn't say it. Many people say, well, it's, it, you know, it's a lack of, of faith to use any kind of an implement or any kind of medication. I've heard people say to me, you know, we're not going to get surgery because we believe it's wrong to, to have any kind of, of, of an implement used in your body. You just have to believe God. And I always ask this question when they say that to me. Have you ever gotten a splinter? Well, yes. How'd you get it out? Did you use an implement or did God just yank it out for you? <laughs> no, they used some tweezers and they pulled it out. There is nothing in the scripture that says you can't take medicine. Nothing in the scripture that says it's a lack of faith to go to the doctor. Moses used a tree. The Bible didn't teach us you can't, you can't do that. It teaches us this. God is the healer. He will use whatever means is possible to get us healed. He, listen, he, or what's impossible. God will use whatever he needs to use to get us healed. We, our trust has to be in him. He is the healer. He alone is the healer. Listen, we can go to the doctor and they can help God, but God isn't helping them. God's the healer. They're helping God. Sometimes it means to, to take no medication. If the Holy Spirit says, no, don't take it. Don't take it. But if the Holy Spirit says, go to the doctor, go to the doctor. The Bible doesn't teach us that he won't do that. What we need to see here is that the healer neutralized what was deadly and made it into sweetness. He canceled the deadly ability in the water. He canceled its ability to harm those who had been redeemed by the blood on Passover night. God's will is for that. What I want us to see is the first time it talks about healing, it says that he is the Lord our healer, that he used the tree, and what was deadly, he made it sweet, and there was no harm in it. No harm. We found that out last week. I mean, last time, we talked about those flying snakes that were coming. People, after they were bitten, they looked at the snake on the pole, and God saw to it that what the snakes were supposed to do, that the healer nullified the power of the venom of the snakes so there was no longer harm in it. And all who looked lived. He, it, when it talks about healing in the scripture, the first time it talks about God changing that which was bitter, that which was poisonous, that which was harmful. It talks about God making that so it would not harm them. That's what the healer does. He makes it so it cannot harm us. I mean, at Mara, they couldn't drink the water. When the serpents were biting them, they cried to the Lord. They looked to the pole. They went to God, and his answer was he made it so that it would not harm them. Lots of stories in the Bible back this up. Let me just get to a couple of them. I have more than these two, but I got more than these, but I want to share this with you. Remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? You know that story. I mean, we all learned it when we were little kids in Sunday school. But, but Nebuchadnezzar built a statue that was 90 feet tall, made of gold. I mean, nobody knows exactly what the statue was, but he probably built an image of himself because the Assyrian kings were just, that's what they did. But nobody had a 90-foot tall one. I mean, this was the biggest one in the world. The decree was made. Everybody had to come. And when they started playing the music, people would fall down and worship the image that Nebuchadnezzar built. I mean, the music was so powerful that they just fell down before it and probably thought they were doing a good thing. They're worshiping it. Everybody except for 
Well, Daniel's out of town, apparently. Shadrach, because Daniel was pretty high up on the ladder. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, three Hebrew boys, they weren't bowing down to the image. They chose not to do it. The Chaldeans, they were jealous of them because he had risen up in, 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 the, in the government so fast. And so they went and they tattled on them. They said, hey, you said everybody had to bow. But these three guys, they're not bowing. Made Nebuchadnezzar furious. He was so angry. He brings them in. He says, I'm going to give you one more chance. If you don't bow down, I'm going to throw you into the fiery furnace. I love what Daniel 3, 16 and 18 says. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we're not careful to answer thee in this matter. It literally says, Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to answer you here. They said, if it be so, if what be so? If it be so that you're going to throw us into the fiery furnace, if that's what you're going to do, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, they're not saying if God doesn't deliver us. Here's what they're saying. If you don't throw us into the furnace, if not, if you don't throw us into the furnace, because they already just said they're not going to burn. He said, he said, they said, if you're not going to do that, know this, O king, that we will not serve your gods nor worship the golden image which you've set up. So here's the deal, King. We don't even really have to answer you in this. But if you throw us in the furnace, God is going to deliver us. If you don't, we're still not bound down to your image. We're not going to do that. He said, you either bow or burn. And they said, we're not bowing and we're not burning. And so the Bible teaches us that Nebuchadnezzar was more, the Bible says he was full of fury. He got his strongest men, the mo, I mean, his most mighty men, they bound up. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I mean, they tied them up. And the furnace was so hot, when the mighty men opened the door to throw them in, they died. It was so hot. I mean, they died. And, and they were consumed with flames. Verse, verse 24 of that chapter says, Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished, and rose up in haste, and spake and said to his counselors, Did not we cast three men bound in the midst of the fire? And they answered and said unto the king, True, O king. And he answered and said, I just would love to have seen the look on this guy's face. He built a 90-foot statue of himself. He is the most arrogant guy on the planet. All of a sudden, he's looking down there. I can just see his lips quivering. Lo, I, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire. I love this next phrase. And they have no hurt. The flame wasn't harming them. It says in the form of the fourth, is like the Son of God. Wouldn't you love to get the recording of the conversation these three guys had with Jesus in the fiery furnace? Wouldn't that have been something? They threw them in bound. I mean, they're bound. And now they're walking free. Jesus is walking with them. I would just love, what would they be talking about? You know, I just, I don't know, I just see them you know, Jesus said, you know, I remember when, when my dad and I created the fire. Do you know that he has loins of fire? Do you know that the fire is not more powerful than God? You already knew that, didn't you guys? I, I just love to hear that. I mean, he said, Nebuchadnezzar says, the Nebuchadnezzar came forth near the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spake, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you servants of the Most High God, Come forth hither. I'm thinking he added the word please to this one. Come forth hither, please. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth out of the midst of the fire. 
And the princes and the governors and the captains and the king's counselors being gathered together saw these men upon whose bodies the fire had no power, nor was an hair of their heads singed, neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of fire had passed on them. Why? Because Jehovah Rapha calls it to have no harm. No harm. I love this story. They didn't even smell like smoke. I mean, you, you cook out on the grill and you smell like smoke. <laughs> These guys were in the middle of the fire. They didn't even smell like smoke. Most Christians that I know that go through the fire, they smell a lot like smoke. Oh, it's the toughest thing I've ever had to go through. This is so hard. You know what? These young men understood something. The God we serve will deliver us. We're not bowing down to your God. And I mean there was no smell of smoke. But here's what we got to know. God got glory when these guys went through the fire. My, my tendency is to want to be delivered from the fire. You know, I want God, I don't want to go in the fire. God gets a lot of glory when we go through the fire. He delivered them through it. These guys didn't complain about it. They didn't even smell like smoke. I mean, there's this fantastic shield of God's favor all around them. And the fire cannot hurt them. I mean, in the presence, his presence was with them in the fire. I mean, it was a powerful thing. They went through it. But, but God didn't take them from the fire. He took them through the fire. God didn't lead those children of Israel to a different water hole. He sweetened the one they were in. We need to understand something. Where we are, God is ready to make it not harm us. He is the Lord, our healer. He is the Lord, our healer. He delivers us through it. He makes it so there is no harm. Listen, we don't need a different marriage or a different job or a different circumstance. We need to trust in Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals us. And he makes it so there is no harm in it. The Apostle Paul went through the, a terrible storm. It wasn't his fault. He was on a boat that, 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 that he told them, don't go. They said, no, you shut up. We're sailors. We know what to do. He said, well, okay. He said, I'm just going to tell you, you're, the ship's going to crash. And they're going to be, nobody's going to die, but the ship is going to crash. They got in a hurricane. They were in it for weeks, and they, 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 they feared for their lives. Except for Paul, he got this vision from God. He stands up in the middle of it. He says, hey, y'all, I know you've been fasting all this time because you're throwing the food overboard. But here, I want you to watch me eat. He eats in front of them. And he says, the Lord, the angel of the Lord spoke to me today. And he said, the ship's going to crash. You're not going to die. But stay on the ship and do what I say. Isn't that interesting? The, the angel said to Paul, he said, you and all those who sail with you. In other words, Paul is in charge. The captain of the ship thought he was in charge, but he was sailing with Paul. God had this, this thing for Paul to do. So the ship crashed. They get on this island. It's called Miletus. They're on the island. They're making a fire across the cold. This is an amazing story. You would think that that's enough. Wouldn't that be enough just to get through the storm? They get through the storm. He's, he's putting wood on the fire. And a snake bites him. Here's what most, most people I know would be saying. What else can go wrong? <laughs> Lord, God, I, 
you say me, why didn't you do that? You're going to kill me now? After that? Why would God kill you now? He just brought you through the storm. He just took you through this thing. He's not going to kill you now. The snake bit him. I'm thinking the Apostle Paul was like, you know, God, you just have to do another miracle. He shook it off into the fire. The Bible says that they were all looking at him, waiting for him to swell up and die. But he didn't. He just shook it off. And I'm guessing still kept putting wood in the fire. And then they decided maybe, because they said, you know, even karma is still going to get him. Then he shook it off. And they're like, no, if he's living, he must be God. He never let him worship him. He shook it off. The Bible said there was no harm. The snake, the deadly venomous snake, did not harm him. Because Jehovah Rapha is the Lord our healer. He would not let it harm him. You see, we need to know who our God is. The snake's venom was neutralized by the power of the Lord, our healer. Paul didn't murmur. He didn't complain. He shook it off. He had a word from God about getting to Rome. He knew what he was supposed to do. You and I have a word from God regarding the healing of our bodies. The Lord, He can rearrange the molecules in your body. He can neutralize the poison of whatever's there. I mean, He can neutralize the venom of AIDS, the venom of cancer. He can, he can neutralize, rearrange the molecules, molecules in just the bad things that are in the air we breathe, in the foods we buy, at the grocery store we go to. God is the, the Lord, our healer. We've got to learn to listen to him. Jesus told us in Mark chapter 16 that if we eat, if we drink any deadly thing, it will not hurt us. I mean, he's talking about when we're doing what he's called us to do, there's no harm. The devil cannot take us out. We've got to believe in Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, our healer. He can change the molecular structure. He can change whatever he has to do. There is no harm when we follow him. Let's pray. Father, tonight I thank you for your word. I thank you that you are Jehovah Rapha. I thank you, God, that just as you made the water sweet, you make, it, you make it, our lives sweet with your healing power. I thank you just as you did that. You deliver us from the curse that's on the world and you bring us into the, the bounty of your beauty and blessing in our lives. I thank you, God, that we can shake it off. I thank you that when we walk through the fire, you'll walk through it with us and no harm will come to us. God, I give you thanks tonight and I give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.